You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. All right, Psalm 119.99. Y'all ready? Notice the psalmist decreed. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I have more understanding, help me. Then he gives the reason for your your testimonies. Your written and revealed word that comes from your people. Those that you have helped. Those that you have manifested your promises to. Because when we testify, we testify based upon God's written and revealed word. And we don't learn how to testify. We, we don't give the devil or demons glory. No, all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise belongs to, to God. And see, testimonies are important according to the book of Revelation. It is because of testimonies that we are able to overcome. When you're battling something and it seems like the thing that you're battling has the upper hand, you, you can think about the goodness of God. And the situation will change for your better. I said for your better. And you'll come out of what seemed like a defeat with a victory. And therefore, you can give your testimony. We overcome because of God. And God gives us a testimony that says basically what the scripture says. Scripture says that we are more than conquerors. And some of us have testimonies that bear witness to that. We conquered something that naturally we didn't have the ability to conquer. But because of God's omnipotence, we came out. How many, how many right now you know you're blessed because of God? It's bigger than your education. Bigger than what you make an hour. It's because of him. But again, considering Psalm 119 and uh, 99, the psalm is knew that his, he had great understanding because of God. He knew that. More understanding than his teachers. 
And then he turned around and he talked about how it's because of the testimonies of God. So you can say a number of things about his understanding based upon the verse. But there's one word that the Holy Spirit gave me that is not mentioned in the verse, but it's obvious uh, that it took place in the life of the psalmist. And that being that he was fruitful when it came to his understanding. You agree? And based upon that, my subject this morning, fruitful understanding. Fruitful understanding. And we're going to give our Lord a hand before we go further. I want to start out by giving you a couple of antitheses of fruitful. The first is ineffective. As children of God, we never want to be ineffective. We always want to be productive. And as a child of God, we don't want to just be productive in one area of our life. We want to be productive in every aspect of our lives. I tell folks, I'm not one-sided. I, I just don't believe in, in prospering financially. I believe in John 10.10. 10. I sincerely believe there is a thief are thieves that do come to steal, kill, and destroy. And they have got some of my stuff. Come on now, how many thieves have got some of your stuff? So we know that scripture is true. We, we, done, we done been wrong before, even if we didn't tell nobody. But then that latter part of John 10, 10 talks about Jesus, how he came that we might have life and that more abundantly life existence everything we do in the church and outside the church Jesus came that we might be fruitful or productive and and I never want to be out of the will of God or ineffective if you find yourself being ineffective that's not why Jesus came. Help me one more time. He came that we might have. And that. And that says he wants us to be fruitful. John so understood what Jesus said. To later he penned. When he talked to the churches of Asia Minor. Beloved. I wish. Above all things. That you prosper. And be in health. Even as your soul does prosper. He, he wanted them to have their priorities in order. I want you to prosper. But, it, but it's got to start with your soul. It's got to start with the part of you. That, that you have to be determined not to allow to go to hell. We don't want to lift up our eyes in hell. No. So we want to work on our relationship with God. Put him first. And then allow him to cause us to prosper 
in every aspect of our lives. How many agree with that over here? How about all over the church you agree with it? And so we never want to be ineffective. But another antithesis of fruitful is, is when you're empty. You're empty. And some of us know what it is to, to be empty. Yeah, to, to have nothing. To have nothing. Now, it's one thing to start out with nothing. But every time I see you, you don't have anything. You don't know my struggle, Pastor. Yeah, but I know the Bible. Damn, he wished for you to prosper, but, but after being in him for a good while, knowing scripture, knowing what you should do in order to be fruitful, and you still are empty, there's something wrong with that picture. And the main thing that's wrong is you. Woo, y'all didn't take that well. I said the main thing wrong is you. How many believe God wants everybody to prosper? And he is no respecter of person. And I'm going to tell you something. If you do what the word says, the written and the revealed, you're going to prosper. There's no way you can stay empty if you receive what God is saying. If you put it into action. No way you can stay empty. And so it should never be a testimony of a child of God that, that after being in God for months or years that you're still on empty. Something wrong with that. God will bless you even through trials. I say God will bless you even through trials. What are you saying? God wants you effective no matter what you go through. You, you can be diagnosed with something, but God still wants you effective. Yeah, I'm hurting, but I'm still fruitful. Yeah, I'm going through this hard trial, but I'm still fruitful. That should be the testimony of every child of God. You, you ever read Psalm 23 when, when David tell you all that he's going through, uh, all that is taking place in his life, but when you but when you see the implication of the entire chapter, it is, I'm still fruitful. I'm walking through a valley of the shadow of death, but I'm still fruitful. There's a table that has been set before me in the presence of my enemies, but I'm still fruitful. May not have all I want to have, but I'm still fruitful. That should always be your testimony. I said always. Had to spend $100,000 in one month, but I'm still fruitful. Had to spend 10000 in one month, but I'm still fruitful. Spent more money than I earned in a whole year, but I'm still fruitful. I went through something in my body I've never experienced, but I'm still fruitful. You're fruitful, it says that you're productive. 
you're still doing what you need to do. Mentally, verbally, and physically. You're still fruitful. May not be doing it at the pace you would like to do it at, but you're still doing something. Why? Because God expects his children to remain fruitful despite what they go through. You hear me? Despite what you go through, he wants you to be fruitful. You empty walker? No. I'm fruitful. Have you ever been empty? Yeah. What changed? God. He came that I might have and that more and I'm walking in that. If I walk in that, I can't be empty. I can't be nothing. I can't be ineffective. Even when, when the enemy seemingly has the upper hand, I'm still effective. How many have ever been down, but because of God, you know you're coming up? You would just feel when you're going through something that's going to work out in your favor. You're fruitful. You're a child of God. You know it's going to work out for you. God gives us what I call fruitful scriptures like Romans 8 and 28. All things work together for the... Why? We love him. So even when, when, when it's not working out, naturally speaking, it is working out. Why? All things work together for who's good? My good. Why? I love it. I obey him. Love is obedience in scripture. I obey him. I do what he tells me to do. And so it's important for us to be fruitful. How often? All the time. All the time. If you truly agree with that, just, just say to somebody, I'm fruitful right now. I'm being fruitful right now. Let's look at some fruitful scriptures. Let's go to Psalm 92. Consider Psalm 92. And we're going to start at verse 13. Some of y'all ain't got happy yet. This, this ought to make you happy. I'm, I'm serious. It ought to make you happy. Psalm 92. We'll start at verse 13. That is if it's talking about you. Psalm 92 starting at verse 13 again. Those who are planted well in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the course of our God. I'm here every Sunday so that means I should be flourish. To flourish is another word for being fruitful. Now I know you used to go to church and you were not Flourishing. But you should be flourishing now because you're no longer playing unless you still play in church. If you're serious about being in church, you should be flourishing. Why? Because if you're serious, that means that you have been planted in God's house. And you're planted and God is making sure you get your nourishment. Oh, yeah. Knowledge and understanding. Look at this again. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. 
Verse 14. They shall still bear fruit. Come here, Elder Thomas. Come here, Mother Thomas. In old age. Well, I'm 60. I can put myself down now. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Now I've been not put myself there yet. Notice this. They shall be fresh. And flourish. You know I'm old. Now it's time for me to sit. Now it's time for you to keep being fruitful. If you know your Bible. Some of y'all didn't get happy. We got to read this one more time. Ready? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit when? But, but now notice the implication. They shall still. Before you get old, you should be bearing fruit. If you're planted and you're only 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, you should be bearing fruit. Hopefully when I get a little older, I'm going to be fruitful. No, you should be bearing fruit now. If you're planted in the house, if you're receiving and putting into action the written and reveal will of God. You should be moving forth right now. You should be prospering right now. Ask your neighbor real quick. Is that scripture for you? Matter of fact, get a little more plain. Is that scripture talking about you? You know I'm old now. Yeah, and you should still be fruitful. It isn't amazing how the world tries to put certain things in our mind. Tries to make us accept certain things. Get this. That are in contrast to the will of God. Even pick up old sayings. Like, you know you can't teach an old dog new tricks. If a saint ever tell you that, you just, you just say to them, I didn't know you were no dog. <laughs> right? Because all of us, no matter the age, if, if God shows us something and we say, Lord, I ain't doing that. I need to change. You ain't too old to change. I said, you ain't too old to change. And you ain't too young to do it. Well, you know, when I get older, I'm old. No. When you hear it, whether you're young or old, obey it. Put it into action. Amen? Let's go to Matthew 7. Y'all stay with me. We're still dealing with fruit. We know even in old age, we should still be what? But we want to take it a little bit further. 
Go with me to, uh, again, Matthew 7. Lord have mercy. We're going to start at uh, verse 17. Matthew 7, verse 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But notice this. A bad tree bears bad fruit. Mm. Verse 18. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor cannot bad tree bear good fruit. Woo, talk about them trees, Lord. Verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, based on what he, he done told us, if, if you are a bad tree and you're bearing bad fruit, you coming down. And then he basically makes it plain that, that these trees he's been talking about are people. Because notice he says in verse 20, therefore by their fruits you will know them. Your hallelujah don't mean you good fruit. Your lifestyle, what comes out of your mouth, determines whether you're bearing good or bad fruit. If you're negative all the time, you're bearing bad fruit. Well, you know, I can't help being negative. It's part of my family. Well, you need to break that curse. Because if you're negative all the time, that means that you bear bad fruit. And sooner or later, you're going to have to be cut down. Now, notice you ain't going to be pruned because pruning is a good thing. Yeah, pruning is a good thing. You know, pruning hurt, but it's a good thing. That, that means you being fruitful, but then God let a little trial happen. That's a good thing because he's pruning you with that trial so you, can, so you can grow or get stronger. But if you get cut down, it's because your fruit is bad. Talk against the scripture. Talk against the written and revealed word. You bearing bad fruit. And see, all of us at some time or another have actually bared some bad fruit. If you're still bearing bad fruit, repent. Change. 
And I'm going to tell you something. You have to watch the company you keep. What did Paul say to the Corinthians? Be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good habits. You'll mess yourself up dealing with the wrong folk. You better learn how to put your finger up in public and walk off. What do you got his finger for? I guess he's leaving us. I thought they did that in church. Well, I guess he do it in public. <laughs> How many understand that being negative all that ain't that ain't God? Man, when you look at in scripture, Jesus be talking positive even when everything, naturally speaking, is going wrong. Folk were crying, talking about, hey, you know what, your child, she done died, and it's just real bad right now. And Jesus, Jesus showed up to my, everything is wonderful. Everything is well. But you know what he did? He made sure that the negative folk were not in the same room with him. He wouldn't deal with it. He wouldn't deal with it. And if we are Christians, which means Christ-like, we have to be likewise. We have to be likewise. You got to talk positive. You, 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 you got to be like Elijah, even though he was surrounded. What did he do? He was surrounded by enemies. What did he do? He still talked positive. A good tree. Well, let's change it. A good person is not going to bear bad fruit. A just person is not going to bear bad fruit. What is a just person? One that lives by what? Faith. Romans 1 and 17. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Then the Hebrew writer said, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For he that shall come will come and will not tarry. But then he closed out in verse 39 by saying, but we are not of those who draw back unto perdition, but believe unto the saving of the soul. And then he goes into chapter 11 saying basically that we got to live by faith and defines faith. Now faith is the substance of things, the evidence of things not seen. Bottom line, when you're just, you live by faith and you don't allow what you see to dictate to you what you should think. Say or do. You don't allow that. You don't allow that. Because you know as long as you live in my faith, you're going to bear what kind of fruit? Good fruit. 
I said, you know, as long as you're living by faith, you're going to bear what kind of fruit? And again, I'm going to be able to look at your life and tell whether or not you're bearing good or bad fruit. Amen? If I hear you talking about certain things, I'm be like, hey, she ain't bearing no good fruit. Oh, man, she handled that situation good. She bearing good fruit. So how many understand what fruitful is? All right, let's go back to Psalm 119. Remember, our subject is fruitful understanding. Now, the psalmist was not being arrogant here. All of what he's saying is based upon his relationship with God. And the reason I say that because notice his words, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Now, just on the surface, that sounds like he's arrogant, but he's not. He just knows who he is in God. And get this, some things you say, folk ain't going to take it the right way. A lot of things we say simply because we recognize who we are in God. I, I tell folks sometimes, you know what, God getting ready to bless me bountifully this year. And some folks, when they hear that, they be like, he just think he just so. so. No, I know who I am in God. Man, this is going to be a real good year for me. All this bad happening, but he's going to have a good year. Everybody else suffering, but he's going to have a good year. And see, folk will look at you, talk about you in a bad way. But see, they don't recognize you are not basing who you are in reference to the circumstances surrounding you or what's taking place in the world. You are basing who you are according to the scripture. Unless I'm not talking about you. We are just. We live by faith. Or we live by the written and revealed what? Word of God. So then faith comes by and hearing the word of God. So, But when you start saying certain things, you, you got to know that folk going to look at you funny. Even folk in church. I'm not telling you just say something, just say it. But I'm, but I'm telling you, you, you say it because you know who you are in God. You know who you are in God. You know, Pastor had the nerve to say he ain't never going to be broke. He, who he think he is? He don't think he can fall in hard times and be broke. Look, no, I'm saying it based upon who I am in God. I know folks have had millions and, and fell down and were broke. But I don't believe God will allow that to happen to me. And if he does, it'll be that he's going to make me better. Going to cause me to have even more. You understand what I'm saying? You have to know who you are in God. You have to know who you are in God. What pastors say, I'm saying, it ain't, it ain't based upon what pastors say about you. You have to know. You have to know who you are in the Lord. See, it, it's just like some women. You got to wait on a man to tell you how good you look. 
Now you offended at me. It, it's some folk, the only way they're going to say they look good is for somebody to tell them they look good. Should folk tell you to look good? You look good? Yeah. But you shouldn't have to wait on that. You shouldn't have to depend on that before you look. Well, you ain't have to look in that mirror. You can just look at yourself just like this. God, I look good. You got to be able to look at yourself and say you look good before you get one compliment. Now that's you looking at yourself. But when it comes to you and God's word, you have to be able to look in God's word and, and believe that what is, what is written or what is being revealed is about you. And you have to decree out of your mouth that, that this is who you are in God. This is what's going to happen in your life. You're not being arrogant. You just know who you are. I said, you just know who you are. How many right now you know who you are? Even the women, they all right. I thought some of y'all would get, well, you are, you good. But you don't wait on no man to tell you you look good, do you? He said I was cute. <laughs> you should have knew it before he told you. Should have knew it before he told me. And, and sometimes folk will look at you when you tell them, you look good. I know it. I know. Oh, you arrogant like that? No, I just know I look good. See, y'all don't even know how to say it. You got to say it with an attitude sometimes. Look at somebody and say, I know I look good. Now, I wouldn't have wanted mother to say that when I said she looked good in that blue and yellow. <laughs> but she knew she looked good before I even told her that. Ain't that right, mother? See? She's shaking her head. Yeah. You got to know who you are in God. I'm going to be so blessed to where I'm going to be able to be a blessing to others. Now don't just say that because you heard somebody say it. You got to know that's who you are in God. And that's what's going to happen for you. And, th and that's what we see right here. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Look at this verse again. You know, if, you know if, if this wasn't in the Bible, somebody said that, somebody, you'd be like, he must think he. Somebody, some folk would even call him crazy. Because he didn't say one teacher, did he? He said, all. All my teachers. See, see, some teachers only have initial understanding. That, that means they, they can grasp the meaning of something. But remember I told you the conclusion of understanding is, is that you not only grasp the meaning, but you know 
the truth about something or somebody. When you, when you are on that level, that means you, you are operating in conclusive understanding. That's what I'm saying. You, you got you to get to the point to where you know who you are. And when you know who you are, you're operating in conclusive understanding. Man, I know God going to bless me on vacation this year. Woo, God, God. I can just sense God going to do some great stuff for me. Man, this is going to be a great year, even though I just emptied out my bank account. This is going to be a good year for me. You got to know yourself to the point to where when you don't have anything, you, you can just sense in your spirit that a good measure blessing is getting ready to come your way. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But when you are on that level, that's what you call, again, conclusive understanding. You don't just grasp the meaning. You know. You know point blank. This is what it is. This is what something or somebody is. See, they can talk about Jesus all they want, but I know he God. See, see that, that's, that's a conclusion with me. You can't get me out of Jesus. Why? I know who he is. You can't get you. Oh, the tithe and the, oh, you can say all you want about the tithe and the offering. But I have conclusive understanding when it comes to tithe. And I know Israel, I have seen Malachi work in my life and other folk life. I have conclusive understanding when it comes to that. He act like he sold on that. Angel sold on it. I know it's right. It's amazing how, how some of us folks still can talk to us and change our mind about stuff. When in the world are, are you going to reach a conclusive level when it comes to certain things to the point to where no matter what people say it's not going to change your mind. You don't want to just be able to grasp a meaning of something. You want to be able to the point to where you walk in something. You understand it so much. To where you just walk in it. I know God going to bless me. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. And running over. Because I'm a giver. I can't stay broke. I give too much. How in the world I'm going to stay broke. And God done promise. He going to bless me. Good measure. Press down. Shaken. Check it together and run it. See the reason some folk don't receive Luke 6 and 38 is because they're not conclusive about it. They still trying it. Let me just get this and see what happened. You, you're not on a conclusive level. You don't grasp, you don't grasp that the scripture says that if I give, it'll be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But you have not concluded that the scripture is so. I done concluded that it's so. I know what it is to receive the good measure, the press down, the shaken together, and the running over. 
When I give thousands, I don't give thousands talking about, oh man, I gave $100,000 this year. I don't give thinking like that. I give saying, man, I done gave according to Luke 6 and 38. Woo, wonder how God gonna bless me this year. Wonder if he gonna do it through this, through that. Say to your neighbor, Every child of God needs conclusive understanding. Well, you don't have to wonder what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. You're you looking at these doomsday uh, broadcasters. You, you can't be agreeing with these folk. These folk negative. You better open up your Bible and hear what God has to say. Do you know even in fame and God take care of his folk? Even when everything that can go wrong, God take care of his folk. That shouldn't be news to you. That, that, that should be something you already know. Lord, I'm saying on this too long, but, but how many understand that? And so he had conclusive understanding. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Can you imagine just looking at people that taught you that lose their hunger? People that told you how to grow, but then they stopped growing. People that told you what God desired for you, but then they stopped having a thirst for doing what God desired. Should never happen. It had to be something that, that, that caused the psalm is to exceed in understanding to the point to where he could reach a conclusive statement. Again, I have more understanding than all my teachers. I'm going to show you two scriptures I believe happened to the psalmist. All right? We're going to Proverbs 2. Y'all stay with me. Y'all stay with me now. Proverbs 2 and 2. Well, let me start at verse 1 to give us more clarity. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your, help me, to what? He applied his heart. He applied his heart. See, don't ever think that you done, you done reach your pinnacle. You're there. No, baby, ain't nobody there but God. Until you become omniscient, which you never will, you, you hadn't reached reach your pinnacle. Well, you know, I'm on, I'm on the last level. No, no, don't, don't, don't be trying to put yourself up there. 
You don't even know how many levels there are. No, you just keep stepping. The steps of a righteous man. Or what? Order. By who? God. That means don't ever get to the point where you think you on the last step. No. God is the one that's, make, that, that's making sure you hit the steps. He got the steps. You ain't got the steps. You'll be done stopped at, at step 17 because you tired. No. You have to apply your heart. After hearing, notice the word. Then you apply your heart. Now, your heart, in one sense, represents your choices. After hearing the word as a free moral agent, it's then time for me to make choice, choices. Pastor said that, that I should be conclusive when it comes to Luke 6 and 38. But it's your choice. I said it, but it's your choice. I'm already there, but, it, but it's your choice. Pastor, pastor said I need to be conclusive as a Christian that, that I'm going to do such and such, such and such, such. Yeah, I said it, but it's your choice. And in order for you to choose it, you have to apply your what? Your heart. Apply your heart. Start manifesting that you're doing what has been proclamated. Start manifesting that you're doing what was stated in Psalm 119, 99. Yeah. And that says that you're applying your, your heart. Let's go to Proverbs 4. Y'all good folk. But let me work a little more. Proverbs 4, we'll start at verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of who? Of who? Would I be considered your spiritual father? Okay, so you need to hear. You need to hear my what? That means as a father, I have a right to tell you what to do. That's your choice. He got a lot of nerve. He, he put on his pan just like I put on my pan. It's a little bigger than that if you understand the Bible. I mean, because after all, I just know one way to put on your pants. That if you know another, and I know you know one way, but it's a, what you want me to do. Right? I mean, it's, well, okay, you put yours on your right first. I can put mine on the left first. And that would be different. But it'd really be the same because it's still on the leg. <laughs> but bottom line, they got to be on, on the legs first, right? I'm just trying to get y'all to understand. See, some folk, some, some folk would just try to say anything. What I'm trying to get you to see, to quit from obeying the pastor. Woo! I have something to say against the 
Pastor. And sometimes it's just, it's just like that. But anyway, notice this. Again, Proverbs 4 and 1. Hear my children, the instruction of a, or we could say, of your past. And give attention to know what? So he really breaks it down because a spiritual father or a pastor, in part, makes sure that God's flock receives understanding. Jeremiah 3 and 15, I'll give you shepherds according to my heart that will feed you with knowledge and what else? Understand. So he really breaks it down. Hear my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good what? It's not false. It's not false. It's good. It's not bad. It's, gonna, it's not going to cause you to be cursed. It's going to cause you to be blessed. Then he says, do not forsake my law. Now notice thus far, everything he's saying as a father, uh, the son or daughter has to choose it. It's a choice. You see that? Do not forsake my what? I'm telling you my rules, my precepts, and so forth. Don't forsake it. So it, the implication is your verse 3. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Hold on to my words. Keep my words in you. What did David say? Your word have I hid where? That I might not. Notice this. Verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Now notice, notice the shift. Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and help me. Get. Get. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. It's his choice, but then he closes out by giving him a warning. Don't do it. Don't turn away from it. Why is, why is he being so firm in verse 5? He does not want his son or daughter to end up cursed. When you leave the instruction... Good instruction of a father. A curse going to come. You know, some folk, they just like to wish curses on folk. But we need to understand from a biblical standpoint how we can be cursed. If you don't been instructed what you should do, but you do opposite, a curse going to come. You may even go four or five days or four or five months and say, ain't no curse happen. Cha-da-da. You will hold your cha-da-ta now. Because you're going to reap what you sow. Right? And so basically that's what he was, he was doing. He, he was warning him to make sure he keeps instruction. And that's what a father does right 
Okay, let's go further. Let's go back to uh, Psalm 119. So, so you can see that basically he had more understanding than his teachers because he applied his what? His heart. That would be one reason we could say that it happened. But another reason would be that he listened to the instruction of his what? Father. Now, father can be a teacher, but a father and a son or a father and a daughter have a more intimate relationship than a teacher and a pupil, a student. You hear me? If that's not the case, something is wrong naturally and spiritually. If your school teacher if your child's school teacher has a better relationship with your child and you do, there's something wrong with that picture. Woo, I said there's something wrong with that picture. Now you know Greta teacher, she got students that just love her, but if, they, but if her students love her more than they love mama and daddy, there's something wrong with that pitch. And I know you have that sometimes, but it, it, that ain't right right there. If you respect somebody on TV more than you respect your pastor, there's something wrong with that pitch. Yes, it is. There's something wrong with that pitch. Especially when you are receiving good doctrine. And see, the psalmist exceeded his teachers if we consider what I'm talking about because, again, he applied his heart to understanding. He didn't stop doing that. And he was not only receiving from his teacher. But he was, he was receiving from his father. Paul talked about how you have many instructors. But only one of few fathers. How many understand that? That's very important. Because the enemy can trick you. How I many know the enemy is crafty? Yes, he is. The enemy is crafty. Don't ever think the enemy is not. But let's, let's take it a little further. Back in Psalm 119 and 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Then he goes on to say, for your testimonies are my meditation. Lord, your word, what you done done for other folk is, is what I meditate on. And even when it comes to meditation, first thing you have to understand about meditation, you have to choose what you're going to think on. Meditation, simple definition, 
you're constantly thinking on something for a purpose. Whenever you meditate, it should be a reason why you're meditating. It needs to be a reason why, why your focus is on a particular thing or particular things. Because, see, you, you have to understand something. Your, your mind, you, you have to discipline your mind. Because your mind, the best way I can put it is curious. If you allow it, your mind will bring about 10 things to you in 10 seconds. If you allow it, your, your mind will have you in church. Well, you will be in church physically, but your mind will have you in New York, across town, or thinking about what you're going to eat. That's your mind. And, and anything that does that needs to be put in check. And that's the reason meditation is a good thing because when, when you meditate, you don't allow your mind to just go everywhere. But now meditation it's a battle sometimes to meditate on what you need to meditate on. I said it's a battle to meditate on just be calm. Just be, be calm. But the whole time you're trying to be calm, something else is come. You need to get her. You need to slap him. Don't do anything. You're, don't do anything. Just stay focused. Stay focused. Don't say one word. Just stay focused. So you're trying to just meditate. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay focused. But then you need to go ahead and do something about that. That wasn't right and you know it. Why is it, why is it just things constantly coming at your mind? Because we are flesh. We are flesh. What does that mean? We, we are human and we are trying to do godly things. We still battle carnality. While we're trying to be spiritual. The carnal mind is an enemy of God. But the spiritual mind loves the things of God. So that's the reason we, we have to learn to meditate in order to keep our mind in the place it needs to be. The Philippian church's mind was... was off to the point to where Paul had to tell them, look, you're going to have to let your mind be as the mind of Christ. He had to actually tell them that they were Christian, but they didn't have a Christ-like mind. You can be Christian, but have a filthy mind. Let me go street on you. You can be Christian, but have a jack up mine. You got to watch what you meditate on. What, what is it that you constantly think about? 
If you're constantly thinking about something, whether you got your eyes closed or not, that's meditation. <laughs> See, don't, be, don't just think that, well, you got to have your eyes closed in order to meditate. No, you can have your eyes wide open. You can be walking. Whatever you have your mind on, you need to make sure that if it's not on the right thing, you check it. Amen? So let's deal with meditation for a minute, then I'm going to be done. Y'all all right? Y'all all right? I'm all right, too. We go on to uh, Psalm 19 first. This is what David said. And, and I want you to notice this. Psalm 19 and 14. Let the words of my mouth. We used to say this in church, didn't we? And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight oh lord my strength and my redeemer and in church you would add amen <laughs> but notice what he wanted let the words of my and the meditation of my heart be what? Acceptable. Well, in your sight. That's what he wanted from God. But get this. It was his choice. He had to make sure that, that his, his mind, his words, and his deeds... Well, according to God's word. Now, he wanted some help from God. But if his meditation was going to be on point, he had to make sure that his thoughts, his words, and what he did was according to the will of God. Has this scripture changed? No. If what we meditate on is going to be acceptable to God, we have to make sure that we're thinking right, talking right, and doing right. Everybody understand? Yeah. We got to make sure we, we we got to make sure we're doing that in the church. Where else? Outside the church. Because again, this, this mind is just. This mind will take you places. Lord have mercy. It has took me some places. I ain't going to tell you no lie. It has, it has took me places I ain't never been. I said it have took me places I have never been. Have took me places I never want to go. My mind has took me places. And after it took me there, I was like, forgive me, Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Your mind takes you there and you oh, forgive me, Jesus. And then it'll turn around and try to take you right 
back to the place you ask God to forgive you. The scripture calls it a warring in your mind. It's a war taking place in your mind. And guess, and guess who has to control it? You. You have to make sure that, that you control it by praying. By constantly changing the focus and so forth. Because if you don't, it'll keep doing the same thing. Man, I, I, I used to think so negative. And the only and and it, and I used to pray, God, don't let me think that He ain't gonna do that. He made me a free moral aid. That's a vain prayer. He can help me, but he ain't gonna just do it because he gave me the power to do it. Let this mind be in you. And then Romans twelve and two says, "Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind." Why? So you approve or know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's up to you to change. You ask God for help, but it's in your corner. Lord have mercy. Psalm 49. I got to close it. Woo. Notice Psalm 49 and 3. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister. Notice this. Psalm 49 and 3. My mouth shall speak what? And the meditation of my heart shall give what? What does he do? He, he done made a decree. I'm going to start speaking wisdom. And my mind going to be about understanding. Guess what? The only way he can speak wisdom is for his mind to be right. And that's the reason he talks about how his mind going to be of understanding. Standing. If you're thinking it, sooner or later it's going to come out. You can lie and say it ain't there, but sooner or later it's going to come out. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, what speaks? The mouth. The mouth speaks. And the heart, the mind, the choices, it's going to come out. Let's go to Philippians 4, my last scripture. Just one verse, Philippians 4 and 8. Ready? Finally, brethren of church, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, do what? Anyway, he telling me, I'm giving you a list to choose from. You can start out Monday. Thinking on things that are lovely. Then by Friday you can think about things that are praiseworthy. He gave him a list. Remember I told you how the Philippians mind was just jacked up. And so he actually has to get him a list of things 
to think about or to meditate on. And, and some of us, if, if your mind is jacked up, you need, to get your, you need to either use this list or get you, get you this list and another list. What I'm saying, this don't have to be the only list if this ain't enough for you to think of. But, but you'll notice when, when you look at this list, this list does not have one thing negative. Does this list have one thing negative on it? Everything on this list is good. So if we think on this list or meditate on this list, what kind of fruit we going to bear? What kind of understanding we going to have? We're going to be fruitful. We're going to be fruitful if we, if we think on the right things. We're going to be fruitful. And again, he wasn't talking to sinners right here. He was talking to the church. He had to get, remember in Philippians 2 and 5, he told them, let the mind be in them that was also in Christ. But then he turns around and says, look, I got to give them some more. They need some more stuff about this mind. And so he tells them, look, this is what you need to meditate on right here. And if you, and if, and if you are not to the point where you choose what to think on in a continuous way, I'm telling you, all kind of stuff will come to your mind. And sadly, most of the stuff that, that, that'll come to your mind, if, if you don't have a list like this, it'll be negative, filthy. Even jealous. It'll bring jealousy will come up in your mind. Dumb thinking will come up in your mind. Crazy thinking will come up in your mind. All this stuff started coming up in your mind because you chose not to get a list and meditate on certain things. Watch this. I'm, I'm closing, but watch this. If, if, I believe I got an honest house. How many have, have ever allowed your mind to take you places you know you didn't have no business to go? Look around. And, and guess what? Even now you have to put your mind in check. It's going to always come. Stuff's going to come. You just have to be to the point where you got your list. And, 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 and when something comes that ain't on your list, you don't let it in. It, it'll come to the door trying to get in, but you don't have to let it in. It may be dressed real nice, but don't let it in. May look attractive, but don't let it in. If it ain't on your what? You, you can be like, hey, you cute and everything, but you ain't, on, you ain't on the list. You are not on the list. You can't come in here. I'm trying to make it comical so y'all will get it. How many got it? I'm done. Let's get the Lord a hand of praise. Lord of mercy.